I'm always blessed when you sing. It was some years ago, I suppose about 35, something like that, that there was an oil man in Texas whose name was Eddie Childs. And uh, Eddie would, he, he was upset with some of the political things that were going on, so he bought some time on the radio for commercials. And on television, he would address an issue, and then he would say, I'm Eddie Childs, and I'm mad. Well, it wasn't long until bumper stickers began to show up on almost every car you came up behind that said, I'm mad too, Eddie. Well, it seems like that we are in one of those times. It seems that almost everybody is mad today. Washington Post wrote the former top cop in Washington and Philadelphia said Sunday that the country is sitting on a powder keg. We live in a time when there is intense and, I believe, unusual anger. There's political anger, no matter which side of the fence you're on. Everyone is upset. Everyone is angry. I've watched both conventions. I watched the political rallies. I saw one man being punched by another man. I saw a woman who was pelted with eggs. There's anger over immigration. We are told that the primary motivation for Brexit was because they were upset with the immigration rules in the European Union. And now we have Texit. A number of people from Texas want to exit the United States. Racial anger is at a boiling point in our country. And if you haven't noticed, there is a considerable amount of anger on the roads. We call it road rage today. There was a policeman who was going down the street. The light was just about to turn. It had just started to turn yellow. He starts slowing down. And the woman behind him is upset. She's mad. And so she immediately, not knowing that it is a policeman, pulls around him and goes on her way, shouting obscenities as she goes by. Well, he turned on his light, pulled her over, and she said, why are you stopping me? The light was yellow. I was not speeding. Why are you stopping me? And he said, well, I saw the bumper sticker on your car that said, honk if you love Jesus. And I looked on the other side and it said, what would Jesus do? So I assumed the car was stolen. Today I want to speak to you about anger. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 19, beginning in verse number 11. A man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook a transgression. The king's wrath is like the roaring of a lion, but his favor is like dew on the grass. Anger is acted out when we lose control. Now, I know that there are some people who say, well, I just lost my temper. No, that's not the problem. The problem is you found your temper. So what does the Bible say when we lose our temper, when we become angry? What does the Bible actually say about it? Well, it says, first of all, that it is foolish. 
to lose our temper, to become angry, is foolish. The scripture says in Proverbs 14, 17, a quick-tempered man acts foolishly. That's not what I said. That's what the Bible says. A quick-tempered man, someone who loses their temper, acts foolishly. Chuck Swindoll was writing about being angry at another man, and he expressed that anger. Chuck wrote, I got so angry that I gave him a piece of my mind, and it was a piece that I couldn't afford to lose. That is normally what happens when we lose our temper. We give someone a piece of our mind, and it is a piece that we can't afford to lose. When we lose our temper, when we become angry, that usually causes fights. The scripture says in Proverbs 15, verse 18, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife. I know whenever I'm talking about these things, you're thinking of someone else, aren't you? You already have someone in mind. Well, there was a, a man who had a bad temper. He was always getting angry about something, and usually he took it out on his wife. Well, on one occasion, one of her friends happened to be at the house. He came in. He was upset. He began to express some anger, and then he turned on her, berating his wife, saying things to her that he should not say. He went into the other room. Her friend turned to her and said, how do you put up with that? I don't know how you can take that as he berates you, as he says the things that he does. How do you put up with that? So oh, when he does that, I, I clean the toilet bowl. You clean the toilet bowl. How does that help? She said, with his toothbrush. There are consequences to anger. It says in verse 19, a man of great anger shall bear the penalty. We need to understand that when we get angry, when we express this loss of control, that there is a penalty. Will Rogers said, whenever you fly into a rage, you seldom make a safe landing. Do you know what the consequences are when you become angry? Well, there are physical consequences. As I was doing the study on this, I, I looked up some of those consequences. The University of Illinois wrote, anger can cause stress on the body's major systems, such as the heart, nerves, or respiratory functions. So we need to understand that when we get angry, when we lose our temper, that it affects us physically. It affects us at work. If we lose our temper at work, it, we can end up losing our job. I, I was reading that 45% of people say that they have lost their temper at work. 65% of people say they have moments of rage at work. Be careful, you can lose your job if you express anger at the wrong time to the wrong person. It can affect a student at school. If you express your anger, it can end up costing you your place at school, being expelled. The Bible says that when we become angry, that our judgment is normally not good. Proverbs 25, verse 8, Do not go out hastily to argue your case, 
Otherwise, what will you do in the end when your neighbor puts you to shame? You see, when we, when we become angry, our judgment is skewed. Lowell Fillmore wrote, usually a man who loses his temper also temporarily loses his ability to think logically. When a person loses their temper, their judgment is just not good. They normally think poorly. And then the Bible says that when we are angry, when we lose our temper, that we are less than a fool. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 20, do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Do you realize that when you become angry, whenever you lose your temper, that you have to come up to be on the level of a fool? And that's what the Bible says. So I suppose then that it would be in our interest to learn to control our temper. Well, how do we do it? Well, we confess it. Now, I know that there are some people who repress their anger. There are, though, I have had, actually had people to tell me that they have never gotten angry. They are too spiritual to be angry, and so they repress their anger. There are some people who repress it. There are some people who have no problem expressing it. Some repress it, some express it. But we are to confess it. We will never deal with anger unless we admit to ourselves and to God that we have an issue with anger. If you have an issue with anger, you are never going to deal with it until you first of all acknowledge that I have an issue with anger. Now, we need to know why we're angry. When we get angry, we need to know why. We need to understand it. So the Bible says in Proverbs 14, 29, he who is slow to anger has great understanding. Let me give you, and you've heard this before, it's been advice you probably grew up with. When you begin to get angry, count to 10. For some of you, it might be 100. Perhaps a few, it'd be 1,000. But you see, you count so you can consider, so you can understand why am I angry. So we need to control anger. Now, I know that there are some who think that you can't. If you tell people you need to control your anger, well, I just can't do it. You know, my daddy, was, my daddy was an angry person or somebody was angry. I just can't control it. It just gets, well, yes, you can. The Bible says that you can. Proverbs 29, verse 11, a fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. Hmm. A fool loses his temper. A wise man holds it back. You can control your temper. You can control being angry. And let me give you an example or a picture because you have done it. Have you ever had a time when you were in a heated argument with your spouse? I mean, you're going after it. You're yelling at each other or talking. You're, however you express it, I don't know. I, however you express it, you're expressing anger. And then the phone rings. And you go over and pick up the phone, hello? <laughs> Who is that? I mean, you're, I mean, blood's coming out of your eyes and now then the phone rings and there's someone else answers the phone. And you talk to them for a while, hang up the phone and go right back to it. Now you just controlled anger. You see, anger can be controlled. So 
Anger then, the Bible says, is a loss of control. Anger, if it is sinful, is to be condemned. So you consider your anger. If you're angry, why? Is it righteous indignation? Now that's what it is with me. When I'm upset, it's righteous indignation. I know some of you get angry, but whenever I do it, there, it is righteous indignation. In other words, not all anger is sin. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians 4.26, Be angry and yet do not sin. Be angry and yet do not sin. So not all anger is sin. In fact, as I was studying for this, I began to look at the number of times various people were angry. One of the things that surprised me is the number of times I read in the Bible that God became angry. One such time, God had called Moses to lead the Hebrews out of Egyptian bondage at the burning bush. You remember the story, but God called him to lead the people of, of, of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. And Moses began to make excuse. He said, well, God, you know, I'd like to do that. But he said, I'm tongue-tied. I can't speak. I'm not a good speaker. You're probably thinking about Aaron, not about me. He said, Pharaoh isn't going to pay any attention to me. Why should Pharaoh listen to me? So he begins to tell God why he can't do what God just told him to do. And so the Bible says in Exodus 4.14, Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. God became angry with Moses. Moses, the meekest man in the world, also became angry. He finally went to Pharaoh and told Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go to give them their freedom. Pharaoh refused to do so. And the Bible says in Exodus 11 verse number 8, And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Moses was angry. David became angry. After he had committed adultery with Bathsheba, Nathan went to him and told him a little story to make the point to the king. He told him about a man who had company come in, and this man had a lot of sheep. He said there was a neighbor who only had one little ewe lamb. And so the man who had all the sheep went over and took the one little ewe lamb from his neighbor and sacrificed and, and uh, ate it. Gave, he prepared it for their meal. Well, David was angry. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 12, verse 5, Then David's anger burned greatly against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. So David then got angry. Moses was angry. God was angry, and Jesus became angry. The Bible tells the story about Jesus about to heal the hand, the withered hand of a man. The Pharisees objected because it was the Sabbath. And the Bible says in Mark 3, 5, looking around at them with anger. So, I give you those examples and there are many more of them to say to you there is such a thing as righteous indignation. Not all anger is sin. So what we need to understand when we begin to get angry is, is this sinful anger that has been condemned by God and needs to be condemned by me, or is this righteous indignation? When I am getting angry, when I am angry, is it righteous indignation or is it sinful anger? Well, how can you tell? 
How do you know? Well, you ask your question, is my anger against a person? Because anger at sin is acceptable, but anger against a person is not. Jesus prayed for those who crucified him. Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. So Jesus was not angry at the person. Is your anger a desire for revenge? If it is, it's sinful. The Bible says in Romans 12, 19, Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Vengeance does not belong to you. It does not belong to me. It belongs to the Lord. And when I am trying to take vengeance on someone, then that is sinful. I read that in Philadelphia last year, there was construction work going on on the highway. Traffic was down to one lane. You know how that is. I mean, we sort of live in one lane. You ever get aggravated? Righteously indignant about it when traffic was down to one lane people are backed up forever there was one man and Lord I sympathize with him he couldn't take it anymore so he pulled around on the shoulder and went around all the cars in front of him and went on well when he did so he gave a uh, an obscene gesture and there was a man in the line he had gone around who shot him dead. If we are done wrong, we are not to take vengeance, we are to turn the person over to God. Most of the time I have learned to do that. That vengeance is not mine, it belongs to the Lord and if I feel someone has done me wrong and there have been those times, then I simply turn that person over to the Lord because vengeance belongs to Him. Do you have an unforgiving spirit? Because if you have an unforgiving spirit, then that is sinful. Thus it is unacceptable. Anger can be defeated, and I believe that it's especially important to do so because I want you to understand if you don't understand anything else or don't hear anything else that I'm saying today, this is important because anger is a door through which Satan enters into your life. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 verses 26 and 27, Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. I want you to understand, if you don't understand anything else, that when you harbor anger in your heart, when you're an angry person, then you have left the door open for Satan to enter into your life. When we tolerate anger in our lives, we are allowing Satan into our lives. Anger is progressive and gets worse with each step. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Now he begins with bitterness. 
The reason he begins with bitterness is that this is the place where resentment comes, bitterness. I feel that someone has wronged me. Someone has done me wrong. And so I begin to resent that. I become bitter as a result of it. Now that is the root of anger. Bitterness is the root of anger. Someone has done me wrong and I become bitter as a result of it. If I deal with it at that point, then it does not grow. If I do not deal with it at that point, then it grows and becomes worse. So the beginning point then is bitterness. Someone has wronged me and I begin to resent that. That is the root of anger, bitterness. Then he says wrath. The word wrath means to burn, hot anger. So here's the way that it works. Someone has wronged me, I begin to be bitter about that. And now then there is wrath that begins to boil up inside me. So there is a wrath, there is a boiling that is inside me. That is, have you ever had that? Someone has done me wrong, and now then inside I am boiling. That is wrath. That's the way that it works. That is the progression. So there is bitterness, then there is wrath, and then he says there is anger. Wrath is what is taking place on the inside. I am boiling, I am seething on the inside. Anger shows up on the outside. When I am angry, it affects my physical expressions. When I'm angry, facial muscles tighten. The face becomes red and eyes glare. The tone of voice changes. When you speak in anger, the dog cowers, the children tremble, and the plants die. I begin with bitterness. Someone has done me wrong. I resent that. Then there is wrath. That is what's happening on the inside of me. I am seething with anger on the inside. Then it is expressed by my countenance on the outside. And then he says clamor. Vine says the word clamor means imitating the raven's cry, denotes an outcry. So that means I begin to shout, I begin to speak loudly. I want you to know that I'm angry. So the progression then is, is that there is bitterness. Someone has done me wrong. There is wrath that is seething on the inside. There is anger that is shown on the outside. And now I begin to speak loudly, so you'll get it. Clamor. Slander. Vine says the word slander means accusing falsely. In other words, now I begin to say things that I don't necessarily mean. Wish I'd never married you. I wish we hadn't had children. We begin to say things that we really may not mean. And then there's malice. That means I really want to hurt the one who has done me wrong. You see the way it progresses? Someone has done me wrong. I resent it. I begin to seethe on the inside. It shows on the outside. I begin to speak loudly. I say things that I may not mean. And now I really want you to pay. That's the growth. That's the progression of anger. Anger is not to control the child of God. If you're not a child of God, I guess it's okay. But if you are a child of God, it's not to control you. 
So what do we do? We recognize it as a sin against God. We recognize a lot of things as sin. Do you recognize anger as sin? Anger is sin against God, so we repent of it. That's what he says in Ephesians 4.31, put it away. And we renounce it. James said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we rely on the Holy Spirit because John says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Anger can be defeated. Anger is to be channeled. Ephesians 4.26, be angry and yet do not sin. Unrighteous anger is to be rejected. Ladies and gentlemen, unrighteous anger is sin against God, and it is not to be tolerated by a child of God. There is a sanctified anger. Now, I think that there are some things we ought to be angry about. And in fact, we have become so tolerant today, I think that in some churches we'd tolerate the devil. Apparently we do. Tolerate sin. There are some things we should be angry about. I think that as a child of God, you ought to be angry about abortion, that innocent lives are being taken for no reason other than inconvenience. I think we should be angry about abortion. I think we should be angry about pornography. I'm absolutely amazed when I read the stories, I read the statistics about how many families, how many lives are being destroyed. And I'm not so naive as to believe that there are not some of you who are dealing with that issue. So many families being destroyed, so many lives being destroyed because of pornography. We ought to be angry about that. We ought to be angry about child abuse. For the life of me, I do not understand. I understand discipline. I believe in it. But I don't understand abusing a child. We ought to be angry about it. We ought to be angry about racism. That was not, that's not God's intention. We're the people of God, red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in His sight. But we ought to be angry about it. We ought to be angry about corruption that we see around us on a daily basis. The point that I'm making is that there are some things about which we should be angry. We should not be tolerant of some things. Let me conclude. Anger divides. It divides a family. When there is someone in the family who is angry, that person is going to end up dividing the family because anger is divisive. It divides churches. When there is someone in the church who's just angry, they're going to do what they can to divide the church because that's what anger does. The country, our, our country is badly divided today and everybody's angry, everybody's mad. Badly divided. It is love that unites us. Anger divides us. Love unites us. We were all, I assume, taken aback and greatly blessed when we saw the tragedy at Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston where man took the lives of those nine people when they forgave, I was blown away when they forgave. The son of one of those mothers who was killed is a student at Charleston Southern University. 
And when he was interviewed, he was the one who made the statement, love is greater than hate. And it is. Love is greater than hate. Jesus said that his followers are known by their love. We should be angry at sin, but we should be loving towards each other and towards other people. May God help us to be people of love. Our Father in God, we come to you and thank you for the love that we have in Jesus Christ. Knowing that all love is ultimately from him. Father, he was an expression of your love for God so loved the world he gave his only son. And Lord, may we reflect you by the love that we have when we're tempted to be angry. Father, I come at this invitation time to lift up those who need to make decisions today. Pray that you'll give them the courage to do so. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Just a moment, we'll stand and the choir will sing. You have an opportunity to respond to the Lord. If you're here and have never trusted Him, I encourage you to do so today. The staff will be happy to pray with you. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open to you. We'd love to have you. Stand with me, please. As we stand, they sing, you come. I'll greet you as you do. <laughs>